Let us pray where you are. I'll encourage you to just spend some time. Just pray for yourself and pray for Pastor Jonathan. Then I will lead us in a prayer. Let us pray together. Lord, what a, what a joy and a privilege on Sunday morning and as well as now is afternoon to come into your presence to worship you and to listen to your word and to, to meet with you corporately, Father. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I pray that God, though it's 12 o'clock, you will strengthen our body physically, Father. And that God make us our spirit hunger for your word and that God may your word come and minister to us. Make us alert and be receptive to your word. I pray also for Pastor Jonathan Teo here, that God, you anoint his sleep, empower him. Let him speak forth your words with confidence, clearly and boldly, that God, we can learn much from him. And we thank you and trust this time to you in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Okay, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look great. You know, it's really uh, amazing how the Lord works. Uh, and I mean, I'm just glad that we are here worshipping the Lord and giving Him praise. This, mo- this afternoon, what I'm going to share with you is on this topic on integrity, it, about imitating Jesus. But before I go on to this uh, topic to share with you uh, uh, some of the things that I've learned and some of the observation that I've seen from the passage that's given to me, I just want to share a little bit uh, sidetrack, you know, because I really felt that the Lord wants me to release this prophetic word to some of us, or probably many of us. Uh, I think it was about a month ago when I'm worshipping back home that I was asking the Lord, you know, what's going to happen in the next few months, you know. It seems like the world is so chaotic. There's a lot of things that are happening. How should I position myself? It's actually a personal prayer, you know. How should I position myself so that I can, uh, in the greatest capacity, fulfill what you have called me to do or be beneficial to the church or to the people. Then I find that the Lord released a word uh, called opportunity. The word comes in such a way, uh, it, it comes in such an impression that says, take opportunity, take opportunity. And the time frame that was given to me is about six months, so it's until March next year. Uh, with that, I share with some of the leadership and they, they confirm the word and they find that, yeah, this, this could be the word of the Lord and how we should position ourselves. This morning when I'm here again, I find that the same word is, is within my spirit and I find led to want to share to some of you or probably some of you are praying to the Lord, how should I position myself? What's going to happen in the next few months? I want to share with you and I want to encourage you that you pray about it, the word that I speak about taking opportunity and try to exercise it in your capacity. Probably God will, I really feel that this few months will be a season of opportunities for many of us. Please seize that opportunity because once the season is gone, once that opportunity, that opening is given to you and you have sort of missed it, probably it will not come back again. So I just want to encourage you with this word um, pray about it, uh, pray and ask the Lord, is this word for me? 
uh, about taking opportunity. Probably it could be a business uh, situation. Probably it could be a uh, 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 in your school. You know, some 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 openings that the Lord is is opening for you. Uh, I want to say with uh, with uh, submission and humanity, pray about it. If you feel that this is the word of the Lord for you, take opportunity. Do not miss. Uh, that timing of the Lord. So this is what I want to share with you uh, about taking opportunity. Coming back to the scripture, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 32 to 54. This is the scripture that's given to me. The topic given to me is about integrity, imitate Jesus. There's this story about this boss, this situation um, whereby uh, the boss is hiring someone. So this young man come to the boss for the interview. The boss said to this young man, if you are going to work here, young man, the boss said, one thing you must learn is that you, you must learn is that we are very keen on cleanliness in this firm. We like, uh, we like tidiness. So we like things to be clean. So the boss continued to ask this young man, did you wipe your feet on the mat that you came in? Then the young man responds to the boss, Oh, yes, sir, I, I, I clean my, my feet on the mat. And then the boss continue and say this, And another thing we are very keen on is integrity and truthfulness. There is no mat when you come in. How, you like about, how many of us like to work with people that is without integrity? Put up your hand. Nobody, right? Why? Because they get us in trouble. They give us a lot of problems and you do not know sometimes whether to trust them or not because there's no integrity in them. How many of us like to work or how many of us like people of integrity? Put up your hand. Come on, interact with me this afternoon. Only some of you. So some don't like. No, uh, parents, I want to say this. Uh, there's this joke or probably it's a, it's a revelation, you know. Sometimes if our children do not come back home with good grades, uh, low grades, we can take joy because at least for integrity's sake, they did not copy or try to cheat. You know, so take heart on that. Uh, many of us like integrity. Just now, Pastor uh, Chi Ming uh, defined a little bit about uh, what is integrity. I want you for the next 30 seconds, you know, come to service, come to church, do not just receive from the speaker. You know, try to give out. Also, for the next 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor and define what is integrity. Come on, do it. Very hard, huh? Because we are so used that normal service, we just take and take and take and take and we don't give. Come on, 30 seconds. Define what is integrity. Or probably some of you go to the Google right now and try to check what is integrity. What is integrity? I went to check the dictionary and do some research. I want to try to define a little bit and then I'm going to jump into the text that we're going to look at. Integrity, the English dictionary defines integrity as this firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic value. I mean a, a code, a firm adherence to a code that is inside us. And then another definition is this the quality or state of being complete or undivided. 
Somebody said this integrity refers to the consistency of character that matches words and actions, vision and choice, values and behavior. It all matches. It is a life lived with consistency and incorruptibility. The life of integrity, someone said, is the life whereby the person lives her life, uh, his life or her life consistently to the value that is in his or her heart. And what he said, he will do it. What he promised, he will do it. What you hear from what he said, you will get what you hear. How he lived his life, it is consistently uh, and in line with what is in his heart. Um, but, you know, sometimes we tend to confuse or mix up integrity with other values like honesty and all this. So I'm going to give you an example here. Uh, one may believe about honesty and being truthfulness, being truthful, but it is only when he comes to this situation whereby he practices honesty or being truthful, then you can say that this man has integrity. What do, what do I mean by that? Let me give you an illustration. For example, I preach... Uh, always to you, oh, I, we must be truthful, you know, we, we, we must be honest in everything. Then when one day I encounter a situation or you are at, at, at the background, you observe me, then if I do not practice being truthful, when, when I lie about something, then you know that, hey, pastor, you don't have integrity because you don't practice what you preach. So sometimes we must, we must understand integrity is really about acting out what we believe in our heart and what we say. It is integrity refers to the consistency of character that matches words and action, vision and choice, value and behavior. It's a life lived with consistency and incorruptibility. But after saying this, uh, looking at the definition of integrity and and looking into the Christian context, I, I think it's a little bit different. And I aim to share with you what's the little bit of difference in the secular world of integrity and also in the Christian world of integrity. Just now I said this right, integrity is about a life lived with consistency and incorruptibility. What the person believes, the values that is in the heart, you know, he, he will act it out. That will mean that even an evil person, turn to your neighbor and say, an evil person. An evil person will also have integrity. Are you shocked to hear this? Uh, you know, because he adhere to the value that he has in his heart. I mean, he's consistent. He's, not, uh, he's incorruptible in his belief. His actions, his vision, his behavior matches his belief. For example... Uh, many of us watch the Hong Kong drama, right? Uh, those movies, right? The Gu Zaya, the gangster, also have integrity. Because he believed that if you, if you hit my, my kakia, you know, my, 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 my subordinate, I'm also going to come and hack you, you know? So he has integrity also. So what's the difference between Christian integrity and secular integrity. I went to do some search. You know, we are, we are a Bible person, so I went to do some search. And I was quite amazed, uh, uh, amused by this idea. In the Bible, in the New Testament and Old Testament, there's actually no word for integrity. 
no word. Uh, like for example, in 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 the New Testament, we have this word agape. What is agape? Come on, what is agape? Love. But in the Bible, there's no such word uh, for integrity. But the closest word that normally translator use is this word called tom. I think it's pronounced tom. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it's called tom. Um, this, Hebrew, this Hebrew word tom is translated in the King James Version. How many of us use King James Version? Ah. Oh. You must, have, you must speak King James English. You know, this word tom, uh, translated by the King James Version, uh, is translated into this English word called integrity. However, there's some other English version, when they come across this Hebrew word tom, they don't translate it into integrity. They translate it into English word like uprightness, uh, without wavering, blameless, um, righteousness they translate it into this english word and they in the whole bible especially in the old testament there's a few mention about people of people of integrity they are the people called this people called noah is called a people of tom abraham a, a person of tom uh, job a person of tom integrity uh, david a person of tom but what is amusing to me Surprisingly to me is this, I also found one person that is called a person of Tom. He's found in Genesis chapter 25 verse 27. He's this character in the Bible called Jacob. Jacob is also called a person of integrity. Turn with me to uh, Genesis 25 27. Whatever version you have, Genesis 25:27 in the original language the Hebrew language Tom is used to describe Jacob's character but in your translation right you will find that it is not translated as a person of integrity what what are some words that the English version use come speak to me King James version Come on. He's a, he's a mouth. Okay. Some more version. NASB. He's a NASB. Nobody use NASB. Okay, he's a peaceful person. Uh, some version NIV say that he's a quiet man. Uh, King James say he's a plain man. This word, uh, I think the reason why the translator did not use uh, the person of integrity because when they saw Jacob, Jacob is more like a deceiver, a supplanter. So they have really difficulty to translate that Jacob is a person of integrity. You know what I mean? But I tell you, actually, Jacob is a person of integrity at that point of time because he believed he believed about deceiving people. He believed about supplanting. So he is true to his inner value. So he's a person of integrity. But later on, of course, you know, uh, later on, fast forward, God gave him another name. You shall call Israel. And then we realize that he slowly changed according to the name, the value that God has given to him. What is the conclusion here? The conclusion is this. 
that in integrity, it is correct to say that we must live constantly, uh, consistently to the value that we have inside. But as a Christian context, in a Christian context, integrity to us, listen to this, and I may need you to repeat to your neighbor. Integrity is this, in Christian context, living in consistency to the biblical value that God wants us to be. Turn to your neighbor and try this. Living in consistency to the biblical value that God wants us to. That is integrity, brothers and sisters. And this morning, this afternoon, I want to share with you how can we live in consistency to what God has put in our heart. That we will not be divided in the things that God has put in our heart. That we will be complete in living what God has put in our heart. This is integrity. I'm so glad that, uh, that your church is going through this series on integrity because it's very important. Have you ever heard about this term called structural integrity of a building? Structural integrity. If it is if it, if it's destroyed or if it's damaged, then the building that you are living in is in risk of collapsing. So exactly is the same thing. If the integrity of a Christian is damaged or there's some flaw, then the building, the quote-unquote building of the Christian will collapse, will be in the danger of being uh, in that collapse state. So we need to be careful and we need to ask God to help us how to deal with this issue and this topic of integrity. God values integrity. God values us to live a life in consistency to the value that He had placed in us. This morning, as you turn to Mark chapter 10, I want to share with you some observation from this story. How Jesus live a life of consistency, of integrity, and how we should imitate Him. The first observation that I have is this. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 32 to 45. I'm not going to read all. I'm just going to highlight some verse so that we can ponder and think about. The first observation is this. When When one person or one has integrity, the person's action will affect the emotion of those around. The first observation is this. When one has integrity, one's action will affect the emotion of those around. Just look at this, verse 32. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who follow were fearful. You know, there's emotion here. Some are amazed. Some that follow, they were fearful. The reason what to ask Some question to ask is this. Those who follow Jesus were amazed and fearful. Why? Let me say this. They are fearful. They are amazed because Jesus went went to Jerusalem before. So this is probably the second or third time that he's going into Jerusalem. And this follower knew that whenever Jesus entered into Jerusalem, or at least the previous incident reminds them, that every time when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, there's danger. There's the scheming of the Pharisees, the religious leader trying to harm Jesus. So with all this context, they were very amazed and fearful. How come Jesus, you are still going to Jerusalem? 
Because if you go to Jerusalem, people is going to kill you. People is going to threaten you. People is going to do harm to you. So therefore, in that context, when they are journeying together towards Jerusalem, some of them, they were amazed at the bonus of Jesus. Some of them, they were fearful because they are following Jesus. If Jesus uh, encountered any harm or he's his being um, hurt in some way, they, as Jesus follow, will also have the same action repli- uh, repeated to them. So they are fearful. They are afraid. Jesus, are you sure you want to go to Jerusalem? The religious leader is going to harm you. If, if I, in their heart, probably they think, if I go, if you're going to harm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to get it. So they are fearful. And some of them, they are amazed. Says, hey, how come this man is with such boldness and such focus and he wanted to go to Jerusalem. So these are the emotion that comes when one exercises a choice of integrity. Later on, I'm going to touch on why Jesus had to uh, go to Jerusalem. is because of the integrity of heart. Sometimes as I look at situations like this, when one person makes a decision of integrity, it affects everyone, whether positively or negatively. It affects someone positively or negatively. Have you ever encountered in your school a situation whereby probably the teacher, uh, I mean somehow rather mistakenly given you the answer to a question and then you got one smart friend say that, hey teacher, you give us the answer already. Uh, a disease, uh, integrity, uh, choice of integrity. Hey, teacher, you tell us the answer, then you get all the, all the classmates say, oh, why you tell the teacher that she has given us the answer? You know, it affects everyone. Sometimes you say, oh, yeah, why you do such thing? Just close one eyes, you know, just close one eyes and, and ignore it and everything will be fine. Decision of integrity. I remember recently, about a month ago, there was this two-year-old being run down by a van. Have you watched the YouTube or the media? How many of us have not heard about this news at all? Oh, Later on, you consult your friend, okay? Go to the YouTube and see. Oh, I'm surprised. You know, the incident is two-year-old run down by a van and then there's a huge uproar because there's no one helping the poor child except for the, uh, the lady. Why do, the question to ask ourselves is this, why do people feel so upset? The reason is this, because there's indifference in the society to such an extent that the poor child is being left there bleeding and no one help. And, and the thing is this, in the vid- video, you know, people can just walk and look at the child and, and then continue walking. There's indifference and then there's this uproar. Uh, how come there's no person of integrity except for the old lady, the lady that helped? Why is there such a level of indifference? Um, think about it. Do you think that the people who walk by do not have compassion? Some of the questions to help us. Think. Do you think that the, those people that walk by do not have compassion? Maybe they have. I'm suggesting this. Maybe they have compassion but they don't have integrity. Because how do we define integrity? It's living out what is in the heart. They, 
they, they, have, they walk by the, imagine walk by the child and say, ah, somebody must help that child, but not me. Why is it so? Later on, if you read some of the newspaper article, you will realize one thing. Uh, in China, when someone helps somebody, sometimes that person that helped that somebody can be accused of doing why the things that uh, he or she is doing. For example, the old lady, when she helped that person, the, the poor child, you know, the media uh, or some other people say, oh, the lady is only doing it for popularity's sake, you know, it's just to, just to uh, let people know that she's great and all this. There's all sort of accusation there when somebody uh, make a choice of integrity. And I trace and I saw this newspaper article and let me just read this for you. It's quoted in the news about people that help those uh, in need and they themselves are being uh, subjected to all those negativity. The news reads this. It says, many people in China are hesitant to help people who, have, who appear to be in distress for fear that they will be blamed. And it's a very real situation. Just read the newspaper, track it, you will know this statement is true. Many people in China are hesitant to help people who appear to be in distress for fear that they will be blamed. There are cases of lawsuit, even lawsuit whereby good Samaritans were ordered to pay hefty fines for individuals they sought to help. Integrity, my friends, will help you do the right thing in your heart, even though it may be subject to all those negativity, even though people will try to take advantage of you, even though you are being wrong, even though that you are being accused or mistakenly uh, being said that you are doing a wrong thing. Integrity, Christian integrity, what God has put in our heart, is the values that God has put in our heart, we will do it. Integrity will cause you to exercise all this, all the things that God has put in your heart, even though things are going against you. Isn't it similar to the situation of Jesus, the things that He's doing, the, the determination, the focus that he is going towards Jerusalem to die for you and me, to die for the people. Integrity caused him to say that, yes, God has given me a call. God has given me the value. God has put something in my heart and I need to do it even to the point of death. So how about us, brothers and sisters, when God puts certain values in our heart, do we have integrity to say that, yes, I will do it even against all the opposition because I know that it is right and it will please God if I do the right thing. Now, Jesus knows that people will take advantage of him when he go to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that people will beat him up, will spit at him, will say all kinds of nasty things, ridicule him at the cross, kill him even. Yet, because there's integrity in him, he go on to do the right thing. I just pray, brothers and sisters, that as we imitate Jesus, we will do the right thing. Even opposition is coming against us. Even as we count the cost and say, oh yeah, better not. I pray the Spirit of God will convict us to do the right thing. I just came back from um, 
a training and I heard this testimony that I want to share with you. It's about this lady that has integrity and carry on doing what she's doing. What happens is this, she's working in restricted area that I'm not going to mention is restricted area. So what happens is that she has such joy and such bonus that she continue to preach the gospel, uh, preach uh, even when some, sometimes the Christian said, hey, you, you are too obvious, too joyful. Uh, you shouldn't be preaching in this way. But she continued to preach the gospel because there's, there's, there's this conviction and probably God has put certain values in her heart that she continued to do it. Then, this, then the story continues. It's a real case. It's a real story. Okay? She's arrested and she's put in, in a prison. And this, because she sort of made so much trouble for the government, she was put in a prison whereby uh, it's total darkness, you know, total darkness, no light and all, at all. But what happens in the, in the prison, total darkness, is she continue to sing and to be joyful. Even without anybody around, she's con- she continued to be joyful and singing. Uh, for, then for, for about, three, about three days later, what happens is this, the, uh, the chief prisoner, I call him the chief prisoner, the person that, that is in charge of the whole district, uh, the prison, and she came to her and said, I want to release you. Can you do something for me? Can you go and speak to my daughter who is afraid of dark? At night, uh, she cannot sleep because she's simply afraid of the dark. Can you teach her how not to be afraid of the dark? Because I see you for three days in total darkness. You continue to sing. You continue to have joy. And that's the testimony. Because this lady, a person of integrity, continued to do what she believes in. She was given this opportunity in a restricted area to preach the gospel. And the daughter, the, the daughter of this official is safe. So we praise God for this. So my encouragement to all of us is this, that we need to have integrity. We need to make decisions based on integrity because you will never know the effect that it will carry. You will never know the impact that it will have on somebody else. So turn to your neighbor, look at the eyeball, say it with sincerity, have integrity. I pray, I pray really brothers and sisters that as we observe this point that when Jesus made choice of uh, integrity, based on integrity, uh, it affects others. I pray that we will have the same boldness of Jesus and that the decision that we make will be positively impacting and influencing others. This is the first observation that I have seen here in the life of Jesus. The second observation I want to share with you is this. When one has integrity, he is the person to be trust. When one has integrity, he is the person to be trust. Look further on in the scripture. And again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen. Verse 33, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribe. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit at him. 
scorch him, kill him. Three days later, he will rise. The thing is this, why did Jesus tell the twelve the things that's going to happen to him? I suspect this and I'm going to make a deduction. He wants them to trust him, to be able to trust him now at that present moment and later on. Let me explain this. He wants them, the twelve, the follower, to see the credibility of his word by proving to them that he will fulfill all that he has spoken. I mean, he spoke eight things. Uh, he, Jesus spoke and said that he will be delivered to the chief priest and scribe. And yes, it happened. Jesus said that he will be condemned to death. And yes, it happened. Jesus said that he will be handed to the Gentile. And yes, it did happen. He said that he will be mocked at, spit at, scorched, or killed. And yes, it all happened. And finally, he said that on the third day, he would, rose, he would rise again. And yes, it happened. Jesus' words came to pass. He told the disciple, uh, the disciple witnessed it, the dis- disciple said that, yes, Jesus, whatever you have said, it come to pass. So what is, what is stopping the disciple to obey Jesus later on? Nothing. Because this man, this person, Jesus, is credible. What he said will come to pass. And in the same way, what Jesus has promised you and me, it will come to pass because the Lord is credible. He is a person to be trust. What He said, He will deliver. What He promised, there's no reason why He cannot fulfill it. He will cause it to come to pass in our lifetime. On the other hand, think about this situation. Picture this, if Jesus did not have integrity. He said all these things, but it did not come to pass. Then what will happen to us? I will say, oh, oh, something terrible is going to happen to us. If what Jesus promised here in this few verses did not come to pass, he, then we are in trouble because our Christian faith will come to nothing because our God is not credible at all. But praise God be to God that His Word is credible. What He said, what He promised, it comes to pass. And there is every reason that we continue to worship Him and love Him and praise Him and trust in Him. Amen. Praise God that Jesus is a person of integrity and we can entrust ourselves to Him. That's the effect of integrity towards others. If you and me We are persons of integrity. People will trust us. People will entrust themselves to us. And our testimony will be more solid, more credible. Brothers and sisters, even the world is starting to value integrity. You know, I did a a research, go to some of the company website and, and see what is some of the things that they value. And integrity come out the 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 few top ones, the companies, the businesses, the organization in the world is starting to value integrity. How much more we need to emphasize it in the church? How much more we need to encourage one another to have integrity? How much more we need to make it very practical for every one of us to have integrity? I I remember this story about this uh, 
this uh, government official, uh, he, he has a housemate. So what happens is this, this government official was telling the housemate, you know, I'm going to take a rest from, from one hour. Uh, in this interval of one, two hours, somebody call, just ignore and say, I am sleeping. Do not disturb the governor. So he went to sleep and then the housemate continued to, to uh, clean up the house, take care of the business and all this. And what happens is within that interval of one, two hours, the president called and ring, ring. And then the housemate get the, get the call. And then the president said that I'm the president of so-and-so. Can you get the person to, to listen to me? Then the housemate said, no, my sir is sleeping. Then, then the conversation continued here and there's this insistence that, hey, I'm the president, you know, can you get that person to listen to me, uh, to pick up the phone and talk to me? Then the housemate very insistent said, no, my, my sir said that, you know, she, uh, he's sleeping and he's not going to take any call, so he's not going to answer. So at the end, uh, the, the housemate just, you know, in trouble, right? Some of us probably will think that, oh, this, this woman is going to get into trouble. Then, you know the rest of the story, then this, pres- this, this person wake up, the governor wake up, and then uh, managed to know that the president called him, and, and he called the president, and the president, the first thing, wow, what a great housemate you have. Uh, she obeyed all that you said. If she's not working for you, can you get her to work for me? Wow, but it's true. Uh, we all value person of integrity. You know, and, and integrity, let me say this, brothers and sisters, it will get us where we are and continue to let us stay where we are. Sometimes skills, our skill base, our skill set can get us where we are, but it is integrity that will let us continue to be where we are. Integrity has its reward. So it, it makes sense. And we need to ask the Lord, Lord, come and deal with our heart. Come and help us to be person of integrity. Come and help me to be person of integrity. The observation, second observation is this. When one person has integrity, he is that person to be trusted. He is the person that you can entrust certain of your things to that, to that because you know that he will be faithful to what you have entrusted him. He will be faithful. He will make sure that, that, uh, that everything will be going well. So be a person of integrity. Uh, use here, you have plenty of opportunity uh, in your school. Uh, I think in the youth, uh, youth phase of, of, of our life, it's a, it's a phase whereby we meet a lot of people. So if, imagine this. If people notice that you are a person of integrity, how, I mean, the church will be blessed actually. You know, they will start, wow, where do you come from and why you, you have certain value? People will notice you and it will be a great, quote-unquote, evangelistic effect for the church because you're going to impact a lot of people. You're going to influence a lot of people. So, use I want to challenge you at this point of time be person of integrity because I know in the youth phase there's also a lot of temptation not that in the adult phase we don't have you know but youth phase uh, there's a lot of temptation but be person of integrity you will never know how much 
your life can impact someone for the kingdom. The third observation is this, is that when one has integrity, he will be faithful to his call according to his capacity. When one has integrity, he will be faithful to his call according to his capacity. That's what Jesus uh, is demonstrating to us. If you read the passage from verse 35 onwards, and I'm going to just highlight this, the conversation comes in such a way whereby James and John ask Jesus, uh, can you do something for us? We want to be great and all this, you can read it. But in verse 40, you realize this, Jesus said this, but to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. What is Jesus trying to say here in this whole passage? He's saying this, I do not have authority to do it for you. It is already done. What can we learn here? Jesus is not abusing his authority. He did not overstep his, his authority. I mean, he did not abuse it. And he's faithful to what he is called to. What is he called to? In verse uh, 45, in this context, he's called to do this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is his call and his true to whatever capacity he has, the ability he has, the authority he has, and be faithful in the call that God has given to him. You know, when one has integrity, he will be faithful to his call according to his capacity. Jesus is showing integrity when he told James and John that he has no authority to fulfill certain things that they want, certain things that's outside his control. The application for us is this, and for us to think about is this, have we ever promised something and yet did not fulfill? Have we ever said something and did not uh, carry, carry out that action? Or do we, in our capacity, the, author, the authority that's given to us, we overstep it? because of certain emotion or things that is coming on our way. This is some tough question that we need to ask ourselves this uh, today because when one has integrity, he will not abuse the authority that is given to him. He will be very faithful to his call and to his capacity. Have you thought about this uh, story uh, in the Bible? or thought of any story that reminds you about person that overstepped his authority. I have in my, in my study, there's this person called King Saul. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. This is the incident of King Saul. What happens? Uh, he's not, as a king, we know in the background that he's not supposed to uh, do the do the, do what the priest is doing. There is to offer the sacrifice, offer it to God. But because the whole situation here is under war, he's under uh, the opposition, he's pressurized. So he said, "Oh yeah, Samuel is not coming. Samuel, as the priest, is not offering the sacrifice to God. So I just I will just do it myself." He overstepped his authority. He abused his authority as king and said. I will do 
what the priest does. He overstepped, and we know the rest of the story. God rejected Saul. God rejected Saul. It's, this is serious stuff here. If we are given certain authority, if we are given certain uh, things, that uh, if God has given us certain things or called us in certain capacity, we need to be faithful and we need to make sure that we don't overstep it because something serious is going to happen if we do it. So I just pray that as we, as we learn from this story in uh, 1 Samuel about Saul, that we be reminded that we need to be faithful to our call, to our capacity. One last story and then I'll end. Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Familiar story about the temptation of Jesus. And I just want to illustrate this point. How important is it for us to have integrity? How important it is for us not to overstep our authority and that we need to be faithful to our call, our capacity. In Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus, of which we are all very familiar with, the tempter Satan came to Jesus to give three, uh, three uh, suggestions, temptation. And in verse 3, it reads this, Now when the tempter came to Jesus, the tempter said, if you are the Son of God, command that this stone become bread. If you are the Son of God, the question to ask you, uh, it's not a trick question, okay, listen to this. Uh, so, so if, the word is if. So the question is this, does the devil know that Jesus is the Son of God? No, I don't know. Because the, the devil said, if you are the Son of God, you command this stone to become bread. Then if you, are man, if you manage to convert this stone to become bread, then it proves that you are the Son of God. So the question is, is the English translation say if. So the devil knows Jesus is Son of God or not? No, I don't know. Some very soft because you're scared to give the wrong answer, right? Okay, just spare you all this. In, in the original Greek, uh, a better translation will be this. Since you are the Son of God, command. Okay, so the, the few questions that the devil asks, it should be, since you are the Son of God. That means to say the devil already knows that Jesus is the Son of God. So it should be, since you are the Son of God, I know you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Why, why does he say this? And then in verse 6, and the devil said to Jesus, Since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. So in the whole passage, the devil already knows that Jesus is the Son of God. No need to ask Jesus to perform any miracle to prove that Jesus is the Son of God because the devil already knows that Jesus is the Son of God. So why the temptation? The temptation is to try to get Jesus abuse his authority. Because no need to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. The devil already knows already. So the temptation is to get Jesus abuse 
overstep his authority. Take the shortcut instead. No need to go to the cross. Just take the shortcut. Since you are the Son of God, do this. Since you are the Son of God, do this. You overstep already. Then if you bow down to me, I will give you all the kingdom. And it's true. So what the devil is trying to do is this. Allow Jesus to overstep his authority. Take the shortcut Instead of going towards the cross, just take the shortcut. I'll give you all the kingdom. And then if Jesus really do that, overstep his authority, abuse his authority, then he is not worthy to die for us anymore. Then the death on the cross will be nullified. It will not have any effect on our salvation anymore. So imagine the, the, the serious issue here. If Jesus abused his authority, but thank God Jesus knows how to be faithful. He has integrity. He did not abuse his authority. He did not overstep his authority. And he fulfilled what God has placed in his heart. So what is the learning point for us here? The learning point for us is this, that when we are tempted, and many a time when we deal with integrity issue, it's also, uh, there's also this factor called temptation. When we are tempted, do what is right. Do what God has placed in your heart. Do, uh, and, uh, do what the Lord has uh, uh, given to you. His godly values, the, the things that you learn from God, the, the things that He placed in your heart. Do what is right because temptation will come opposition will come. But being a person of integrity will mean that we do what is right even in the midst of all this. Jesus himself has demonstrated for us that we must have integrity. And this afternoon, I believe that he's issuing this call for all of us, you and me, to follow him, have integrity, do what is right in God's sight. I just want to end with this last uh, impression that I have. I was asking the Lord, how should I close this service? Uh, integrity, how to pray for you to have integrity? Lay hand on you to pray, give you integrity. Uh, cannot. Doesn't work this way. Uh, anointing sometimes work this way. But I cannot say, oh, to every head bow, you know, who wants to be people of integrity? Come out, I pray for you, then you will become people of integrity. No, it doesn't work this way. The, it works only when you take the word that is preached to you today and say, I will do it. When I face temptation, I will do what is right. When I have come into this situation that I need to do it, even though people will criticize me, or I do it. Then as you do it, then you will develop and be person of integrity. So this, this uh, afternoon, I just want to share with you this. Some of you are not having breakthroughs in your life. Sorry to say that we do not have integrity. I'm, I'm, I'm really saying this and I'm preaching it to, to myself. The Bible says that when we are faithful in little, what will happen? And we will be given much right. In the same case, in the context of integrity, when we have integrity, the little things that God has placed in us, the values that He has placed in us, and we practice it and we do it, 
there will be promotion. So I'm speaking in some of our situation right now. The reason why some of us are not having breakthrough, it may be an integrity issue. It may be a faithfulness issue. So take note what I'm saying here this afternoon. I want all of us to stand on the feet. I'm closing this time. I have learned uh, in the past two weeks, one of the effective way of communication is that the people talk back to me. Then I know you understand what I'm saying. But today, the group is very big. And today, there's uh, about five more minutes before I can close. So I'm going to do this. We talk about integrity. And I'm... I, I believe God has spoken to many of us today about some issues in our life that we need to have integrity. I want you to do this. I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I stress again, in church, it's not about a preacher preaching to you and you receiving all things. You need to participate. So I want you to turn to your neighbor for the next one minute. Can you share a thing that God has impressed you to have integrity about. If you say that uh, it's very hard, then uh, try, try a bit, you know. Share with that person and get that person to pray for you. Can we do this for the next one minute? It is only when Christians are transparent and willing to share and say that I humble myself before you, before one another, that we can see breakthrough. So, no shame, no embarrassment. It's about being practical, listening to the Word of God, committing to one another, being accountable to one another, praying for one another, and practicing. You may feel awkward, in the beginning but it's good exercise just share this if you don't have ask that person to pray for you certain things that the Lord has spoken to you